Hunt is the living manifestation of destiny. Light the fuse. I need your help. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. I'm jumping out a window. You've never seen me very upset. Meet the IMF. This is our quickest turnaround yet. Yeah, definitely. Um, Sophia and I just finished watching the film uh, of the week, Mission Impossible Fallout, probably like 10 minutes ago, Mm -hmm. if not less. And uh, Sophia, we were talking about the movie and then she went, "Um, how much time do we have left? And I said, what? And she said, for the movie. Um, Because folks were in an hour going to leave to go see Dead Reckoning Part Mm -hmm. 1. And she said, we have an hour. We should record. Yeah. I'm just in a chatting mood. I had so much fun with the film. I'm ready to chat about it. Oh, yes. And I also get all these movies confused. So I'm nervous that if I watch Dead Reckoning before talking about Fallout, then I'm going to be like intermixing they do, all yeah, of them. Yeah, they do mix. But to start things off, what uh, this is a long production history, so we're going to make this quick. Sophia, what did you eat most recently? Pizza. I had leftover Chinese food. Cue the intro. to craft services where we talk about the movies each week we talk about a film and hopefully have a crew member of that film but not this week to talk about their experience working on the picture that's right not for this week nor for the last five weeks guys this is the last one where we don't have a guest Mm -hmm. i promise you there's a dead reckoning guest coming i promise you and maybe he's been on here before (gasps) if you have any knowledge of who works on films it's pretty easy to guess who we will have Mm -hmm. Anyways, big name, big dog, Oscar nominated. Yeah. Very recently Oscar nominated mm-hmm. um, editor. Um, so <clears throat> anyways, um, Sophia, 10 word synopsis. Let's go. Tom Cruise. Wow. wow. Those are the first two <laughs> words. Correct. OK, I'm thinking about it. Um, what do they call the core thing? Plutonium. Core. OK, Tom Cruise. Fights Solomon Lane to get plutonium core. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nine word synopsis. Not bad. The actual synopsis on IMDb, which I think is way less specific than yours, is Ethan Hunt and his IMF team, along with some familiar allies, race against time after a mission gone wrong. I feel like that's just a synopsis for the whole series. Yeah, that could be any one of these movies, except maybe the first one. Come on, IMDb. Yeah. The IMDb is no IMF. No, certainly not. Anyways, Sophia, what is the budget and box office of this film? So this film had a budget of $180 million and made $791.7 million. Is that the highest um, thus far, grossing yeah. of the series? And at, the, at that time, the highest grossing film of Cruz's career. Do you think that Dead Reckoning Part 1 is going to beat this? I don't know. Okay. I, I want to see how the how it legs out because okay. i would say if oppenheimer wasn't in the picture mm-hmm. i would say yes okay but oppenheimer takes control of all imax screens for three weeks mm-hmm. and these movies make a lot of their money from premium format screen so i don't know sure 
Um, but I think there's definitely a shot, especially with the they're riding high off of Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. I feel like Cruz is like kind of like having a moment. Yeah, definitely. Um, even people that don't like him are like, all right, whatever. And I think there's a lot of people that are like, everybody watched that Top Gun movie. What's that about? Yeah. So do you want to hear some production history? Yes, please. Sophia, this is the longest one yet. I okay. cut down the Eye of the Duck doc that I made from 20 pages to nine. Just to be clear, Parth fucking loves this movie. Anyways. Anyways. Let's do the production history right now. While shooting Sean Harris's last day as Solomon Lane for Rogue Nation, Christopher McQuarrie came up with the idea of Ethan having to break out Lane to accomplish his mission. McQuarrie went to Cruz's trailer and said he had an idea for the next film. Without even hearing the idea, Cruz turned around in his makeup chair and said, quote, You mean I gotta break Lane out for the next movie? McQuarrie was shocked that Cruz had the same idea, to which Cruz had been saying that he'd been thinking about it all night. I feel like that's a good show of how they're well-matched. Yeah, because they, like, all the people on set say that, like, they, like, talk, but, like, it's kind of nonsense if you're not them. Yeah. Like, they just, like, have their own. I like their They're kind of married. I wish they had a romance on screen. Oh, we'll get to that. (laughs) McCory agreed to return as director if he was allowed to maintain the aesthetic of having a new director and completely change the visual language of the film from Rogue Nation, because each movie had had Mm -hmm. a different director up until that point. For the film's story, McCory asked Cruz what he would want to tackle in, an, in another installment. Cruz said that he wanted to resolve the story of Ethan and Julia. McCory and Cruz thought the story was resolved at the end of Ghost Protocol, but fans around the world kept asking how Ethan could be with Ilsa if Julia was still in the picture. Sophia also wonders how Ethan can be with Ilsa. Yeah, but it doesn't have anything to do with Julia. Though yeah. I do really like Julia's presence in this movie. Yeah, I, I think it's good. McCory told Paramount that he would not write a script until he had location scouted the entire film, reasoning being that he wanted to find interesting locations and write around them rather than find a location to fit an arbitrary piece of writing. Instead, he wrote an outline with major story beats to help the crew get a general sense of what the film was going to be about. He felt later felt that even this was too much information to go into the film with as people would get hung up on ideas from the original outline and not be able to move on from it. In August 2016, McCory got a call from one of his storyboard artists saying that the film had been shut down and everybody had been fired. Confused, McCory found out that Paramount and Cruz were in the middle of a contract dispute as he wanted them to pay him uh, the same amount that Universal paid him for The Mummy. Upon hearing this news, McCory decided he would walk from the film. He realized he was in the same room where Brian Singer called him to make Valkyrie, McCory's first collaboration with Cruz. He thought this was the end of a good 10-year run for the two and thought it made sense for him and his family to move back to L.A., so McCory quit the film and moved his family back to L.A. He and his wife moved into a new house, got his kids set up at school, and had one last thing to take care of. He had a dog that was still at his apartment in London. So McHugh flew to London to get the dog. While in his apartment, he got a call from Cruz who said, quote, Good news, the movie's back on, as he and uh, Paramount had reached a deal. McCory said the two had to talk, and so they met in Hyde Park to discuss all the changes that had happened since. McCory said that he couldn't do the movie as he had uprooted his entire family and gone back to the U.S. Cruz said that he understood and that the two of them would always make films together, but added, quote, I will say one thing. This is a Go movie. I don't know what else you've got going on, but Go movies are hard to come by, and it's going. McCory said that he had a point and said that he would have to call his wife, assuming that she would reiterate to Cruz why he shouldn't do the film. The two went back to McCory's apartment, where McCory unexpectedly got a FaceTime call from his wife. She said that she knew it was going to be very difficult, but that he should do the film, as she felt it was the right move for him. McCory then turned the camera over to Cruz, who was next to him, grinning. McCory was back on board. I love that. Yeah. 
McCory, McCory chose to cast Henry Cavill as uh, August Walker based on his performance in Man from Uncle. He knew he would receive pushback on the casting because he was known to the public as Superman. To curtail this, McCory put his name at the bottom of the casting possibilities list and kept saying no to all the other actors above Cavill until the studio approved of Cavill's casting. Production began April 8th, 2017 in Paris, where the crew planned to shoot the breakout and ensuing motorcycle car chase. Um, much of the nightclub scene preceding the and and much of the nightclub scene preceding the bathroom fight. The motorcycle chase was inspired by the short film Rendezvous, Rendezvous, which is an eight minute long POV of a car speeding through Paris. Production initially planned for the chase to be filmed using a special tow rig. The rig would attach crews to a cable that would lift him up if he ever fell off the bike. It also allowed the camera to do safely do more dynamic moves around crews as he rode. Despite months of testing, once the rig was brought onto set, it almost immediately failed. They spent half an hour attempting to make it work, and then Macquarie asked crews what they should do. Crews got on the hero bike and said, quote, My brother, we've got to shoot. <laughs> My brother's hilarious. The hero bike was not attached to any safety cables and was also not meant to be driven the way the sequence was planned. The cobblestones of Paris were very cold, which meant, and they were filming early in the morning, so that meant there was still dew on them. To combat this, the crew would have to put heating pads on the wheels of the bike in an attempt to get more stick while driving. Because the rig had failed, this also meant all the blocking of the scene went out the window, and McCory essentially had to run and gun shooting the chase. In addition to this, the Arc de Triomphe portion of the chase was a huge logistical challenge. The crew had control of the Arc for two hours and had to control 20 police vehicles, 60 passenger cars, plus an assortment of motorcycles. Stunt coordinator Wade Eastwood had had to control three rings of cars and adjust their speeds and tracks according to how Cruz was going to have to drive through them. The stunt where Ethan crashes into a car and gets knocked off his bike was done practically. Uh, The bike and car were on a cable system that would ensure that they met. The bike would then catapult Cruz into the air. Cruz was on a wire to stop him from hitting the ground. From the other side, Cruz actually did the roll. The car chase was also a challenge to shoot. Cruz was driving the car himself with Sean Harris in the passenger seat. The E28 BMW 5 Series was chosen as the car as it had the biggest windshield to see out of slash into. Production then moved into New Zealand to film the helicopter chase. New Zealand was chosen not by choice, but by necessity, as it was the only country that allowed Cruz to do the kind of flying he intended to do. Cruz and McCory wanted to film a helicopter chase for years, and Cruz had learned to fly a helicopter for a year and a half. After choosing the Airbus 125 because of its large glass windows, Cruz was told that he was going to have to train for three months to be certified for the helicopter. When Cruz asked why it took so long, the representative from Airbus said that the schedule was based on flying eight hours a day, seven days a week. Cruz asked what he was supposed to be doing the other 16 hours a day. The representative said that this was to rest. Cruz said this wasn't necessary. (laughs) Cruz flew with one crew for eight hours, landed, then flew for another eight hours with a second crew, and qualified for the helicopter in six weeks instead of three months. A representative also told Cruz that he couldn't do the corkscrew move shown in the film where Ethan is going down in the mountains as it was too dangerous. To show him he could do it, Cruz took the representative in the air and did the move with him in the passenger seat. Cruz was then allowed to do the move. The representative told McCory, quote, I've been working with Airbus for years, and I'd never do that maneuver, and I don't know anybody that could. I feel like if Tom Cruise put me in an airplane and did that with me, I'd be like, no, your privileges are revoked. They are not being given back. Yeah. Well, I mean, he wasn't forced into it. but I know, but I'm just saying. Yeah. The flight coordinator said that Cruise ultimately came out of the experience with 1,500 hours of flight time, but was flying with the experience of somebody with 10,000 hours. The crew shot 70 hours of aerial footage that Eddie Hamilton had to edit together. In the final film, the sequence is only eight minutes long. 
Wow. Would you like to edit something that's 70 hours no. down to eight? Okay. McCory didn't know how Cruz would get into the helicopter until he went on a location scout for a planned fight sequence between Ilsa and the White Widow, which obviously never came to be. While flying, McCory saw a helicopter taking off with a payload and said, quote, Tom could hang from that. The climb and freefall Ethan does in the film was done for real by Cruz. It was negative 10 degrees Celsius on the day, and Cruz was attached to the helicopter by a single cable. Other than that, there's no trick to the stunt. He just fell 40 feet onto his back and rolled off the side of the payload. Cruz did the stunt four to five times. Brutal. While flying to set one day, McCory's um, helicopter hit an air pocket and felt like it was falling. McCory said he wouldn't have minded if the helicopter crashed because he was so stressed about figuring out what was happening in the movie. <laughs> All the mechanics of the bomb in the third act grew from necessity, as McCory needed to give everybody something to do. Because of this, he realized he only had enough characters to dismantle two bombs in the third act. Throughout production on the film, McCory struggled to come up with what happened to the third plutonium core. He received pressure from producer Jake Myers to set up only two bombs at the beginning, but McCory remained adamant that the Apostles needed to destroy three bombs to destroy all three major holy sites. Just before shooting the scene with August, Ethan, the White Widow, and her brother, McCory realized that the third core could be given as a down payment. The opening dream sequence was also filmed in New Zealand. McCory wanted the film to open inside Ethan's head, and this was allowed them to reestablish Julia to the viewers. After this, the crew moved to London. While shooting the opening scene with Ethan getting his mission, a crew member said the alleyway outside Ethan's safe looked like Belfast, so McCory set the scene in Belfast. For the bathroom fight, McCory instructed production to build a bathroom with something in the middle to make the geography of the space more interesting. He also wanted the bathroom to be completely white so that it felt like there was nowhere for the characters to hide. Cavill improvised the now-iconic arm reload while filming a take. Much like the opera sequence in Rogue Nation, the crew would periodically add bits to the fight throughout production all the way until the end of the shoot. The scene was scheduled for four days of shooting, but ultimately took four weeks to complete. McCory knew he wanted a foot chase in London, but intended it for it to just be a minute long. The crew started filming the chase with a stunt where Ethan would jump off the rooftop, hit the side of the building, and climb up. The stunt was achieved by Cruz twice, but then he wanted to do it for a third time because he felt like he could extend his foot even further. When they did this, he broke his ankle. Cruz got up, walked past camera, and asked McCory if they got the shot. McCory said that they had, and, McCor and Cruz told them that they had to pack it up because his ankle was broken. After consulting with doctors, Cruz was told, it'll be nine months before you run if you ever run again, and there's a very good chance you never run again. Cruz said this wasn't acceptable and told them they had to come up with a plan that would get him am ambulatory in eight weeks. Cruz spent 10 hours a day, seven days a week in physical therapy to heal his ankle. That doesn't sound like a good plan to heal an ankle. No, it's not. McCory, Cruz, and Eddie Hamilton used this break to go over the footage they had shot as they'd completed about two-thirds of the film. McCory said that the hiatus was beneficial to the film as it allowed them to assess what they had and figure out the story. After six weeks, two weeks ahead of schedule, Cruz's ankle had healed enough for production to resume. They then moved to Pulpit Rock in Norway to film the final fight scene between Ethan and Walker. His first day back on set was climbing Pulpit Rock. While his ankle had significantly healed, it was still broken and wouldn't be fully healed for the remainder of the shoot. He used the helicopter crash as an excuse for him to be limping while fighting on the cliffside. Production then moved back to London to film the foot chase. Despite having a broken ankle, Cruz was funny, running at full speed. The break, in between, the break in between filming had allowed McCory to figure out the geography of the scene and expand the chase. The shot where Cruz breaks his ankle is the second part of two shots that were sh shot several months apart. The first part was filmed after the hiatus and then stitched to include the shot of Cruz actually breaking his ankle. Despite his injury, 
Cruz outran the moped that captured him running. Finally, production moved to the last leg of the shoot, Abu Dhabi, to film the halo jump, high-altitude, low-open jump. Cruz and McCory had been wanting to do this stunt for many years, but were told it was impossible. Production built a wind machine at the world's largest wind tunnel in the UAE for Cruz to train the motions of the scene. Because of the time of day McCory had set, the crew would only be able to get one usable take per day, as there was a three-minute window for the light to capture the take. The helmets in the film were specifically designed for the film, as they had to find a way to light Cruz's face so that you could see him doing the stunt. If there were any sparks inside the helmet, a fire would start because of the oxygen and would burn Cruz's face. Cruz had to jump out of the plane, which was traveling at 165 miles per hour, fall at 200 miles per hour, and get three feet from the camera. Because of the time of day, Cruz only had a three-inch margin of error, or he would be out of focus. If there was one mistake, the take was unusable, and the day's work was lost. Capturing the footage would be Craig O'Brien, a skydiver who had to be taught by Cruz, McCory, and Hardy how to shoot cinematic footage. The sequence was shot digitally in IMAX. O'Brien had to do everything Cruz did, but backwards, as he had to jump out of the plane. In addition to this, the camera was on top of O'Brien's head, and he had no monitor, which meant he had to frame based on intuition, and because his head was below camera, he could never actually see what he was filming. Additionally, he had to pull focus. While originally planned for three days, the shot eventually took 106 jumps to get right. That's pretty impressive of the skydiver. Definitely. Finally, after a year of production, production wrapped on March 25th, 2018. The film had a 120 planned day shoot, um, but went up to 164 days, not including the six-week break, as well as five to six hiatuses between location changes. Because of the film's elongated production, the film had a shortened post-production time. McCory delivered his final cut in in 11 weeks, an unusual quick turnaround, as most productions only require the director's cut in 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. Lauren Balfe brought a very different sensibility to the film than Joe Kramer. Rather than trying to be true to the original series, Balfe opted to use more modern techniques. He also added several bongos to the score, a move that initially confused those involved with production. At the end of the film's premiere in Paris, Cruz leaned over to McCory and said, yeah, we can do better. Again. All right. So that production history was pretty fun, but not as fun as these facts. Wow. Wolf Blitzer, crazy name, agreed to be part of the film so long as he got to wear a mask. As a parting gift, production gave Blitzer the mask Peg wore. That's fun and really cute. Yeah. Um, Macquarie wanted the film's last shot with Ethan saying, please don't make me laugh, to last just a few frames longer. But Eddie Hamilton said that it was impossible because the camera mag ran out and you could see the flash of film running out. Macquarie decided to use the flash as the beginning of the fuse for the end credit sequence. That's cute. (laughs) McQuarrie was worried that if the film wasn't well-received, critics would use this line, why do you have to make this so fucking complicated, in their reviews. Despite his concerns, the film was tested four times and was the highest scoring film in mission history. When McQuarrie presented the idea of Lane's return to Sean Harris, who wanted to be killed off in Rogue Nation as he did not want to be stuck in a franchise, Harris said to McQuarrie, you motherfucker, Editor Eddie Hamilton was confused that people thought Walker could be a good guy, saying, he's got a mustache. He's got to be a bad guy. He's got a bad guy mustache. He walks on screen and he's a villain. Of course he's a villain. I love the idea of mustaches being equated with evil because I agree. (laughs) He's so evil, number one. And number two, maybe we'll get to this later, but in the ending sequence, there's three guys with mustaches driving the helicopters. What's up with that? Yeah. That's crazy. Mustache city. That's how you know they're the bad guys. 
The scene where Ilsa follows Ethan was Cruz's idea. Macquarie didn't want to film the scene as he was so overwhelmed by the rest of the film, but after finishing the movie, Macquarie said that it was his favorite scene in the film. Somebody's got to give this guy, like, a break on a long vacation and some anti-anxiety medication. Who, Macquarie? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he says, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's so stressed. Um, okay. The payload fall was so convincing that Macquarie heard somebody on the radio say, I think we just lost Tom. R.I.P. Tom Cruise. During the interim, due to Cruz's injury, Rebecca Ferguson became pregnant, which meant that she required a body double for many of the action scenes. Cavill's mustache famously caused issues for Justice League, which was in production concurrently. Cavill had to film reshoots for Justice League, so Warner Brothers offered to pay to add a digital mustache to Fallout. Macquarie said that VFX wouldn't be convincing enough. Instead, he offered to shut down Fallout for three weeks so that Cavill could regrow his mustache. Upon hearing this offer, Paramount rejected the ideas, leading Warner Brothers to digitally remove Cavill's mustache. Had Cruz's ankle break happened at a more convenient time, this could have all been avoided. Do you know about the Justice League mustache situation? I Like, I've heard people talk about it, but I don't really... I'm going to show you a photo right now. I've seen Justice League. It's horrible. Like, so, so horrible. Honestly, they should have just, like, not even mentioned the mustache situation. It would have been fine. It would not have been distracting from the horrible This movie. is what he looks like. Yeah. In he, the movie. He looks like he got, like, surgery or something. Yeah. It's not good. And some people thought this movie wasn't so good. Mm -hmm. Some people thought it was so not good, actually. They gave it one star. Mm -hmm. Sophia, does Matthew Campbell have anything to say about this? Matthew Campbell says, Not correct format for U.S. Should not sell overseas formatted DVDs to U.S. addresses. Dot, dot, dot. I feel like that's on you, dog. You yeah. can check. It's yeah. very easy to actually check. Like... What do you mean they shouldn't sell it to U.S.? Like, some people yeah, because have different what if, DVD players. What, like, what if you wanted to buy? What yeah. if, you know what I mean? Anyways, this is from Nomadic Snowbirds. Cute. With the title Mission, sorry, with the title Movie Impossible. Aren't these the same people who are preaching to the rest of us about gun violence? Anyway, this is the worst of the worst movie ever made since the beginning of cinema. I know not how this piece of garbage passed the smell test by the money spenders. Wow, what a stinker. And two people found this helpful. I like the smelling. Okay, so this guy focus. seems like they're like against woke or whatever, right? With the like, they're preaching to us about gun violence. Like, are they? Ice, ice, or maybe not. That's just kind of like whenever somebody's like bringing up gun violence. But what do they mean, aren't these the same people? What people, like... Well, they always say that, like, um, actors are all Democrats, liberals, th that preach about gun violence. I don't feel like Tom Cruise does that. No, he doesn't. <laughs> um, he's one of the few that doesn't. Um, he's got other things to preach about. Uh. Finally, from Noah Hinman, no. No. That's all. Yeah. It's a verified purchase. Yeah. Now, Sophia, I am shocked, gobsmacked even, mm -hmm. that we did all of that in 26 minutes. Yeah, pretty impressive. And that includes some time that will be cut out um, where I had to leave to go move my car so that my mom mm -hmm. could leave the house as I was parked behind her. We were running through it as fast as Tom Cruise on a broken ankle. Ooh! Now, Sophia, should we go through the movie? Yes, please. Sophia, we open... With your favorite open, with your favorite pre-titles opening? Yeah. 
Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's a little unfair because this opening is longer it's than so a lot long. of the other movies. So it has more time to be its own thing. thing. But it's so fun. I love a reveal. I've been saying this all along. I love the masks. Love the reveals. This is a great reveal, number one. Number two, I think it expands on the reveal from MI1. Yeah, it's um, kind of a remake like of that opening. It's definitely in the same vein in terms of the fake room, fake situation, right? Um, We had the walls fall down. You realize they caught the guy and the, they get the password essentially through faking the location that they're in at the yeah. time or whatever. But it's so fun because in the original film, the opening doesn't make sense, right? Like how they get into this fake room, like whatever, right? It's just for fun, for shits and gigs, right? right? In this movie, it makes sense. He was unconscious. He's a little disoriented. Maybe it doesn't make total sense that he's like, wow, I just happened to wake up at the right moment two like, weeks later when the bombs are exploding. But so much fun, you know? Yeah. It's great. I think this also shows how far you've come around to the franchise's logic. Yeah. Where I feel like that you can have fun with this and not question... Because it's ridiculous that they yeah. would build this whole set yeah. for this. But that's not the point. And I love the Tom Cruise acting, like him yeah. um, with... Maybe we need to reconsider that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So funny, so cute. Anyways, then we have the opening titles, which are my favorite opening titles of the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have Alec Baldwin giving the mission to... Um, uh, he says, like, we have the White Widow. Mm-hmm. And then they get on the plane. Henry Cavill's there. Yep. I didn't like Henry Cavill from the moment I saw him. Eddie Hamilton is so correct. He's a mustachioed evil man. I knew he was evil from the beginning. Bad vibes. Um, well, you didn't know he was evil from but the beginning. I thought but you he had thought, bad vibes. But you did not like him. You said, why couldn't they just get Jeremy Renner instead yeah. of this guy? Yeah. I, that's, yeah. Um, but then the Halo Jump sequence happens. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on the Halo Jump? So the halo jump, like, do you mean as a stunt or as, you know? You know, the whole thing. Um, I think it's fun. I think the storm looks little Harry Potter vibes, which probably is Uh, not what they're going for. Um, And I also feel like the stunt is so cool that did you need a storm to, like, make it cooler, you know? The only reason the storm is there is so that it can knock Walker unconscious, and that's why Tom Cruise needs to go help him. But I don't feel like you need a storm for that. Like, people fall unconscious because... But he's a spy. Know. It'd be ridiculous if he just he I know, just but he that. seems so stupid already because he didn't plug in his <laughs> air thing, and then he knocks unconscious immediately. Tom Cruise has to save him. And then they get back down to the ground, and he's being cocky AF. Yeah. When Tom Cruise was the one that saved him. Annoying. Yeah. So then they get into the Grand Palais. Um, they f- what do you think about the Halo jump? I think it's fun. I, re- I uh, People complain about this VFX mm-hmm. in this sequence. I don't really have a problem with it. Also, I think the storm part of it is so small. Yeah. Like, it's there for literally probably, like, 10 seconds yeah. or something. And then, like, the VFX, like, the entire ground is mm-hmm. CG because they put in the Paris skyline because yeah. they shot this over desert. And I think it looks great. I don't think yeah, that think stuff looks bad. Yeah, I think the skyline definitely looks good. Um. And it's, just, I mean, it's just ridiculous. And again, this movie has so much ridiculous craziness in it that you kind of almost forget that the Halo jump happened. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie is packed. Yeah, it's it's a it's a long behemoth of a film. Yeah. Um, but then they get into the Grand Palais. Um, then they bathroom fight. Yeah. Do you like the bathroom fight? I love the bathroom fight. So fun. I, I think that this movie, and correct me if I'm wrong, 
But I think this movie is the most action-oriented. Absolutely. But I would say that you also seemed to enjoy the action most Yeah. in this movie. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because that was the thing I was kind of scared of, because you're not an action guy, but this mm-hmm. movie is a fucking action movie. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of like, is she just going to be bored? I think that what I like is they switch it up. They don't do like, I mean, they have a lot of vehicle chases. You know what I mean? Plane they have two, chase, yeah, yeah. car chase, motorcycle chase. You get the drill. Yeah. Um, and Sophia doesn't like car chases. No, I, I, it's all the same. You see one car chase, you see in every car chase. Uh, it's, that's okay. <laughs> but the bathroom fight is fun. Um, I loved him being thrown through the glass. I also really like that you feel like you have a villain that actually is stronger than Ethan Hunt. For sure he is. Yeah. Um, because he's taking out Ethan Hunt and Henry Cavill at the same time, and he's not bigger than them either, you know no. what I mean? Um, so that's what I think is really fun. You can clearly tell that this guy is a stunt guy. Like, he's so good in, yeah. um, like, as a stunt fighter. Um, he looks really believable. The punches feel like they're really hitting. Um, the Henry Cavill windup is fun. Yeah. I like also like when they're in the bathroom and then like the Parisian people making fun of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like the insinuation of, um, Ethan Hunt being gay is like fun, somehow funny to the, within this franchise, um, random French people coming in and out and speaking in gibberish. Random French people doing what? Anyways. Um, then he gets shot by Ilsa. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the mask thing isn't working yeah so then ethan's like i'm just gonna go without masks yep he has to pull a um ghost protocol ghost protocol yep uh hope they never met yep um and then he meets the white widow yep and then elsa tells him that there are people there that are gonna kill him and so Mm -hmm. he tells the white widow do you want to take the chance that these people are here only to kill me Mm -hmm. or i'm telling you they're also there to kill you yeah i'll protect you what do you think of the White Widow? Um, I think she looks so funky. You know what I mean? Like, she has, like, such a unique look. And I love the fact that she's Max's daughter. Yes. That's so fun because it's, like, so, like, mother-like daughter. Like, these girls eat up Ethan Hunt in this franchise. Yeah. Um, it's so funny. She's immediately enamored with him. Um, and then the reveal later that she was actually working with the government, I did not see coming. Yeah, she's kind of like a tricksy yeah. person. Um, um, her brother is hilarious to me. He looks yeah. weird too. Yeah, <laughs> neither of them look anything like Max, but that's okay. I think she at least she embodies her. I think she had. I believe it in the performance. Yeah, that she's Max's child. I feel like because she has that sort mm-hmm. of like fun, like oh, playful. This is like fun. Yeah. Um. Anyways, they take Ethan to um their like hideout place thing Mm -hmm. and tell him that their plan is to break out solomon lane yep and i like uh this is just a small point but i like that when ethan hunt has to be like i kill women and children with smallpox Mm -hmm. i have no line yeah i like that on the white widow's face you can tell he's faking it yeah i don't know if you noticed that when you watched it Mm -hmm. but like people laugh at that line delivery but Mm -hmm. i'm like it's supposed to be that he's uncomfortable with that like he's clearly not yeah good at that yeah um which Maybe as a super spy, you should be able to do yeah. that. But um, anyways, we see how they plan to do it, which is to kill all the cops and everybody. Yep. And then Ethan's like, what? Yeah. And then we see the whole like... We have a couple like Ethan nightmare moments in this movie. Oh, wow. well, yeah, I totally skipped past Ethan's op- the opening opening, yeah. which is Julia. Yep. Um, what do you think of the nightmares? 
I think they're fun. I mean, I also feel like they're so short that um, I I couldn't imagine anyone having a problem with them, if you know what I mean. The studio had said that they had concerns because the previous movies had never done it, but I just, I like him. I think that yeah. they Yeah, and them... I mean, I think that it's fine to have the idea that, like, as this is going on, it's wearing down on him to some extent. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't I, think that's unbelievable. I definitely like that this movie is, like, it's, like, getting to Ethan, yeah. this life. Yeah. And it's getting to Tom Cruise, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, he has injuries, I think, as these movies follow his life yeah. in a lot of ways. Like, you sort of see it making sense, too. Yeah. Um. And then we have the whole, like, lead-up of, like, Lane being taken in from a helicopter into an armored car, uh-huh. and then Ethan Hunt and Walker are talking, mm-hmm. and Walker's like, is it true he did this? Is yeah. it true he did that? Which, when you know he's the bad guy, it's kind of funny that he's just, he's just being he's annoying. Like, also, like, reveling in his evilness to some yeah. extent. Um, which I think makes his performance more fun mm-hmm. when you go back. Yeah. I think maybe and i could be wrong you might just not like it but like i think if you are under the impression that you're supposed to like this guy or like he's supposed to be part of the team then i feel like he could be annoying but did you not like his performance or did you just not i just didn't like him like it the performance is fine for what it is you know what i mean um and i don't even have a problem with the character within the franchise or whatever like his the role that he plays in the film um but at the end of the day, he's annoying. <laughs> now, I really like Henry Cavill in this movie. Um, but the real big baddie, Solomon Lane. Yeah. Sophia I fucking love. loves Solomon he's Lane. hilarious. Well, here's something that I said to Parth near the end of the film is Henry Cavill doesn't look evil, but Solomon Lane does look evil, you know? Um, I think Henry Cavill looks like a normal guy. And when he's talking about how he wants the end of the world, I'm like, you do like why though it's interesting because i always i like his like i feel like he has a dark edge but like when solomon lane wants it i'm like he's fucking crazy like of course he wants the end of the world what else would he want possibly want like it's honestly the his plan is like the more sane plan than like he could have fair enough he's so funky and he like doesn't say anything he looks crazy um i also like how he can really put up a good fight and he looks like he's Falling apart. He looks so, so, so old. <laughs> um, sorry, Sean Harris. My girlfriend is not being very Okay, nice but he also you. has this weird beard that I don't think he has, like, in real yeah. life. And he has these weird clothes and he doesn't move at all. And then he's, like, throwing a crazy punch. Yeah. Um, but then we have the motorcycle chase. Yep. Um, which is then followed by the car chase. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when they're trying to get Solomon Lane. Well, the motorcycle chase, they get Solomon Lane. Mm -hmm. And then the car chase, they, like, get into the... Oh, wait. In between the car and motorcycle chase, like, Ethan and the cop scene. Yep. um, Which I think is a nice moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, like, cool that he fucking quick draws kills for Mm -hmm. people. Um, And then then the car chase scene happens, which Sophia brought up the point that it doesn't make any sense that Solomon Lane, with the bag on his head, is in the passenger seat. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Like, I can't really defend that, but it's kind of like, I, I'm okay with it for the simplicity of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just kind of like, well, if we're going to have this car chase, like, I guess I'd prefer that there's not some, like, convoluted mm-hmm. way to get him seen or, I don't know. Um, we have the car chase. Ethan runs through Ilsa, which I think is the most baller yeah, move he does. Yeah, um, Ilsa. Oh, well, yeah. So, so 
Do you want to talk about that now or later? Later, I guess. Okay. Uh, a spoiler alert, I'm not an Ilsa fan. Yeah, she's not a Faust head. No. <laughs> um, anyways, um, then... Uh, they have Solomon they, Lane. They, they have Solomon Lane, and Solomon Lane's like, the fallout of all your good intentions. Yeah, hilarious. Uh, yeah. And then they go to London, they meet up with Alec Baldwin. Mm-hmm. Um, and Alec Baldwin's like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. And it's like, the CIA is saying that Ethan is Lark. And then Ethan's like, no, I'm not. And now I'm making you go to sleep so that yeah. um, we can go meet with the White Widow. And um, Walker, you have to watch Lane. Mm-hmm. But then the whole... And you have Simon Pegg put on the Solomon Lane mask because he's going to leave and pretend to be Solomon Lane for the exchange. Um, and I made the comment... It doesn't make sense that they would leave Walker with Solomon Lane. Like, he's giving suspicious behavior this whole time, and now they're just going to leave him with him. We'll yeah. see what that's about. And Sophia was being anti-Alec Baldwin. Yeah, she- because this guy's, I, in my feeling at this moment, I was like, he's just changing his opinion every second he has. Yeah. And then the reveal happens that yep. it's Benji wearing a Solomon Lane mask, and that Alec Baldwin was actually on their side, and it was all a ruse. Yeah, and when they first did the reveal, I thought that there was... That it was... <laughs> Let me take it a step back. Okay. When they first had the reveal, I thought that when Benji put the Solomon Lane mask on, that there was a different person that had a Benji mask on that then put the Solomon Lane mask on, who then left with Ethan, rather than Solomon Lane just leaving with Ethan and Benji staying in the cell. And part of me is a little bit like, why wouldn't Solomon Lane be like, hey, partner they're taking me they're saying that i'm benji but like that's just like solomon lane being solomon lane like he's crazy like that he is crazy like that (laughs) um i think that's such a fun reveal yeah i love a reveal such a good reveal then um i love that benji finally gets to wear his mask that benji gets twice he's the only one that wears masks in this whole movie and then alec baldwin's all like i'm on your guy's side this whole time Sorry, Alec Baldwin, I do have to apologize to you for being disrespectful. Though, maybe not have to apologize to him, because he killed someone. Yeah, well... I mean, you know, I guess that's not n- his fault. Not, maybe not him in this film. Maybe I'll... But, oh, that line where he's like, I think this one's loaded. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, That's so crazy. Um, And then they call um, Angela Bassett, and yeah. Angela Bassett's like, D- does the hey, thing. Henry Cavill, you're bad, actually. Um, but then she's like, I'm still mad at you guys, um... You, this isn't a good idea. Yeah, and then gunfight happens, and then Ethan chases Walker, and then catches up with him, but then Walker's like, I have your ex-wife, I'm her guardian angel, if Mm -hmm. you do anything to me, or follow me, I'll kill her, and kill everything. Funny that he calls himself a guardian angel. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I love this foot chase, I think it's really fun, Mm -hmm. I like that his ankle is broken in every shot. Yeah. I like that it feels like you can see him, like, taking a breath each time he, like, jumps from building to building. Benji not realizing that he's on top of the buildings. It's also yeah. fun. Yeah. I, I just think that, like... I like the extras in the office when he's yeah. jumping out of the window. Yeah. yeah I just... Some, there's there's few things more cinematic than Tom Cruise running. Yeah. Um, And then they go to New Zealand, and the end of the movie happens. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, and um, Julia. Oh, they yeah. They run into Julia. We have the Julia return... To me, I really like seeing Julia again. I think it's really sweet. Um, to some extent, it made me think of um, past lives. 
Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, like, so not... But just, like, I like the idea that they had this really sweet life together. But then at the same time, it's, like, it didn't make sense for them in the long run. And they're still able to both be, like, happy, happy for in their the perspective other lives and yeah. happy for each other. I like that she has a happy ending in which she has a husband that seems really sweet and supportive of her. And also, like, a meaningful career that feels important to her. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that was fun. I like seeing her again. I don't think the franchise needed, like, to me personally, like, I didn't I felt like the storyline was again, wrapped up. But I think that it was fun to see her I'm, again. I, I, prior to when the movie was mm-hmm. released, I was like, why are we dredging this yeah. up? This is over. Yep. But now I'm glad that this is the last yep. thing we'll get with her. And I love her last few lines to Ethan. I felt like that did sort of tie up her character with a bow like her saying that she was thankful to his presence in her life that it helped her realize what she was capable of i think that that's like a nice thing that she's able to come away with that and i think that that show like her character has always been that way like she's pretty badass in her own right you know what i mean like she's not a super spy so their life together didn't make sense but she's still this like strong cool character I mean, it's a little convenient that she's like, no, Ethan, I'm not mad at you at all. Yeah. Everything's perfect. Thank you so much. Um, But it's written really well and performed really well. And I'm also sure that she probably has some internal resentment, but it's just like not the time or place, you know? Definitely. Um, You have the fight. Well, you have the whole helicopter chase, which I think is fun. Yeah. You have the helicopter chase at the same time as like the trying to stop the bombs. Right. And then Ilsa and and Ilsa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which I was surprised that she didn't put up more of a fight, which I guess was in part because she the actress she was, was pregnant. pregnant at the time. But in the previous movie, like in five, she could fight. You know what I yeah. mean? She was kicking like she was going crazy. But then in this movie, you definitely don't get the same amount of physical no. fighting out of her, um, which is fine. Yeah. Um, and then they get on pulpit rock. Yeah. And the the. The helicopter is, like, hanging. Yep. And the helicopter chase, to me, was very reminiscent of... I mean, I know this is in the in opposite switched around, but so much like Top Gun in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it. you can tell that this is, like... Has informed. This is, like, the lead-up into yeah. what they're going to inevitably end up doing. Yeah. Um, it's just... I, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Everything is so beautifully shot. The, sh- the stunt of him falling off the payload and hitting his back mm-hmm. is so, like, oh, my God. Yeah. And the shot of him climbing the payload again up the rope mm-hmm. in the sky so high up. Yep. For real. Yeah. Um, and I don't like that we don't know what the payload is, or at least Barth and I don't know what the payload is. I don't care. But, like, that's one thing that annoys me about this series, and I used to be sort of fine with it, and now it's getting annoying to me, is that there are so many things that they're just like, don't worry about what this is. Like, we're just doing shit, and we're gonna solve it. It's whatever. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, but I'm but why, curious. Why does it, but why does it matter what's in the payload? Because I'm curious. Like, was that bad that he dropped it? Why do they even have it? I don't know. Okay. And why is it called a payload? That's weird. But that's the that's not the fault of the movie. <laughs> I know, I'm just saying it's weird. Anyways. Yeah. Then you have the fight on yeah, the rock. Yeah, the rocks. fight on the rock. Do you like how he's killed? Yeah, that's so fun. Because this whole time I thought he was sort of trying to like 
save, like, not save his life, but not kill him. Defeat him in a way that doesn't kill him. But then he just killed him, like, so, yeah. I mean, and he didn't so even, like, brutally. yeah, he kicks his hand off of his foot, like, so good. What a horrible death. That man deserved it. I also like that before he dies, his face gets all burnt uh, yeah. by the gasoline, like, doesn't really make sense because I didn't see any fire, but, like, fun. Yeah. Um, and then they save the day. Julia has her line yep. and then we get to the contentious ending for Sophia. I don't like the last moment. Um I love the boys. I love the friendship. I love the team. But this movie in general, but especially the end solidifies it. It's an Ilsa and Ethan movie, but I want it to be the team. I love Simon Pegg. I love Luther. Yeah, what, what's the actor's name? Ving Rhames. Ving Rhames. He's so like they're both so fun in this series, and I really like the friendship that they have. And I think that it stands that uh, my favorite continues to be Ghost Protocol when they're so like we're best friends, right? Um, yeah. And I like that. I I think that's more a more fun direction for the series personally than the romance line. That's my my issue with the ending is that he ends holding hands. He ends the movie holding hands with Ilsa when I would have loved for it to be like all of them come together and they all get, have a little hug and a laugh. Because this movie, every movie thus far has ended with him having the laugh with Luther. What does this movie not end with? Him having a laugh with Luther. Every movie has not ended with him having a laugh with but Luther. In what general, are you talking about? He's at, a, he's at a little restaurant. Like the first movie does, like, the second movie doesn't. The third movie doesn't. The fourth movie does, but he's not in the movie at all. Yeah, but it, he still has a little laugh in the end. And then the fifth movie doesn't. Okay, well, I want him to have a laugh with them. <laughs> okay, well, I'm just saying. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I definitely don't have the... I think you don't have as much of a problem with Ilsa as much as you do of the these this movie and the last movie sort of telling you that these two people... Like, the, yeah. that it's as big of a deal as the movies are saying that it is. They're romance. Yeah. Yeah. Because the Ilsa character, if she was just one of the team members, I think the actress does a good job. I like her. In the previous movie, she's a good fighter. She's a good, like, motorcycle driver. Um, And we were missing a female character on the team. So I'm happy to have her fill that role um, and, and take Jeremy Renner's place. But... I don't totally buy the romance, and I don't like the romance coming first. That's my bigger problem. If it was like, okay, they have their friendship and team, and also they're sort of interested in each other, I'd be cool with that. But they act like, oh, we're in love forever, and like, whatever. That's annoying to me. I just like don't totally, I don't feel like they've spent enough time together for that to be true. I don't think that they have great enough chemistry for me to just like jump on board with it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't mind. I don't mind it. I, I definitely don't. There are people that, like, love the two of them mm -hmm. together. I'm not one of those people. I really enjoy them together. Yep. Um, and I like her a lot. I yeah. like her as a presence. Yeah. And I think that she's really, like, compelling on screen. But I, I would agree that I don't... I don't believe them as a romantic pairing. Yeah. I've, I'm always... It, it's interesting because everybody always views it as a romantic pairing. Which it is. It's, like, clearly And that's intent. what it makes... They make it extraordinarily clear at the end of the movie, at the very ending of this movie, that it's yeah. a passing over from Julia to Ilsa. Like, it feels like Julia giving her blessing to some extent. Um, and to me, I just... It just, like, it's too much, I think. Fair enough. Um, and another problem that I have that's... It's not the pro fault of To Ilsa. be fair, the movie does end with him having a laugh with Luther. Well, how so? Well... Uh, Simon Pegg asks, how close were we? And Ethan says, the usual. And then goes, the usual? 
<laughs> and everybody's laughing and Tom Cruise says, don't make me laugh. Yeah. But I feel like it's like he and Elsa are like in their bubble to some extent still. Sure. So a problem that I have with this franchise in addition is that I feel like every female lead they need to pair with Ethan to some extent. And I'm like, why can't girls just be girls? Yeah. I mean, I, I brought up that like uh, Maggie Q in the third movie and Paula Patton in the fourth movie don't mm-hmm. like have a relationship yeah. with Ethan. Um, but I wouldn't totally call them leads, though. But th- that's what I'm saying is that I, I would agree that. That is a failing of the franchise. Yeah, because even when you have when you have um, the White Widow in this movie and Max in the yeah, first they movie, like too, him like, too. Even they are flirting with him. It sort of feels like they're. It, it makes them feel unprofessional, I guess, to me to some extent. Um, and I mean, even part of me is like, why can't we have a Simon Pegg romance situation happening? Why can't we have a Jeremy Renner romance? Like, like we're there in love with Tom Cruise? Oh no! Oh, no, no. Oh, oh, like, oh, just like, like one of the other women yeah, or yeah, something yeah. like that like we see that happening. yeah I, I would i would be down for that um i think that that could be a fun just because like we've seen ethan fall in love this is the third time I think, in the franchise and this is a, a problem that i am starting to have mm-hmm. i didn't i haven't had this problem until I'm, I'm kind of bleeding into some dead reckoning thoughts yeah but um I think that these movies are starting to be a little too focused on Ethan. Yeah. Um, in a way, I think it's fine in Fallout. I, I yeah. have no problems with it in Fallout, but I think that with the trend that they are going down, I think that sometimes they don't give enough to the team members. The team members. Yeah. And I would agree with your point on that. Yeah. Um, because I liked when we were advancing each of these characters, like it felt like. Brant had a storyline, and in previous movies, um, Simon Pegg's character had, like, you know what I mean? Like, he, yeah. he advanced And even though some... even in, this only happens in the one movie, Paula Patton in the fourth movie, yeah. her boyfriend spy yeah. dies, and she's upset about that, and then she, you know, like, there's something mm-hmm. there for her. Um, but it doesn't feel like the other characters are getting from a point A to a point B Yeah, I, 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 I would agree with that. And I, yeah, that that is one flaw I will concede to yeah um just because i love the team aspect of this these films yeah um so partha i wanted to ask you what's your favorite stunt in this film or like sequence um that's kind of tough because the one two punch of the motorcycle chase and car chase i think is my favorite like action sequence Mm -hmm. in the movie i think it's in paris it looks really great this is my favorite looking yeah. movie in the franchise. Oh, so beautiful. Do you, do you agree? No, I totally agree. I'm not, again, I'm not a car chase person, but the car chase down the actual streets of Paris looks, it looks so great. Yeah. And I, so I think, I mean, that's like the stuff I just end up rewatching the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What's yours in mm-hmm. this movie? Not necessarily like the franchise or anything, but. Maybe the helicopters. I'm, I'm, I felt like you would say that, but isn't that so surprising? Yeah. Because that's such a just, like, that's vehicles. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like you wouldn't care about that. Uh, yeah, I just think it's fun. Yeah. I think that, like. I love him yeah. climbing up. Yeah. The, like, that, but that, I that might be my favorite. That might be my favorite. The, the stuff of him going up 
falling down, hanging from the payload, yeah. climbing and up the it free again. Solo. I mean, I love that this movie. I think references the past missions a lot. I think that's like a fun yeah. thing that it does, and I think seeing him free solo again, stuff like that. Like, I think that that's it's fun little yeah. Um, like reinventing what they've done before and also like skills that we know Ethan has um, rather than him just being this like jack of all trades or something like that. Like, I think it's fun to see him use those skills. So that's cool. Um, the way Henry Cavill dies, so good. Yeah. And really satisfying for me as a Henry Cavill in this movie hater. I don't care about him personally. Yeah. Um. And then, yeah. Is that just, yeah. that's the movie? Yeah, but it's starting to heat up in this room. It's, well, I mean, this movie, this this room is really hot just generally, but I have to admit, it's getting hotter. My face, it's it's starting to melt off. My skin, <gasps> it's burning. We've entered the Radiant Gauntlet. Yeah. Sophia. Yes. Would you recommend this movie? Would you rewatch this movie? Would your dad like this movie? What would you rate this movie? I would recommend this movie for anybody looking for an action film. Really good. Really fun. Um, I would rewatch this movie. This is the second time I watched it, though I watched it in theaters okay, years yeah, ago. Yeah. You watched this but, when it came out. But that's it's not like it's been 20 years, Barth. It's been five. Yeah, so... Five is not an insignificant amount of years. Like, that's like a normal amount of years. Um, okay. <laughs> But yeah, it was fun on a rewatch. Um, I enjoyed. I mean, it. I'm. I feel like you retained none of it. <laughs> you okay, were, part. Oh my god. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not upset by this. I'm just saying, like, it, I'm happy you retained none of it because I feel like you were able to more enjoy. Yeah. The reveals. Yeah. Um. Oh, would my dad like it? Yeah, I think he would. Um, I think your dad would like. Lots it as of action. Well. He's like a Jason Bourne kind of guy, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. And what I would rate it, I give it a three and a half out of five. So seven out of ten. Um, and uh, how I would rank the films, I would say. Um, Go from bottom to top. Bot- okay. I know top. No, I'm not going to do that. What? Because I had it in my head, top okay, and bottom, and now I'm continue, just going to get confused. Continue. Okay. Um, okay. So in my number one spot, it's got to be number four, Ghost Protocol. Right. Classic Ghost Protocol. My number one, my, or my number two spot, I'm going MI1. My number three spot, I'm going Fallout. A caveat to this is I think that they're equal movies in my, like... Like, like quality-wise, but you'd rather yeah. watch MI1. But MI1 has more of what I want. I think that Fallout is probably a better movie sure. than MI1. Um, and I think that I could... I mean, I totally understand why somebody would like this most in the franchise. Somebody. Um, <clears throat> but it's it's really action-y, which is, like, not totally what I'm in there for. Um, and so that's, it's not, it's just not going to be my number one. But even to me, I could see MI1 and Fallout swapping places. Like, I could, I totally could have put this as my second spot. Ghost Protocol is just, like, has me. everything I love. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed myself. Really fun. Um, so I'm going to go. Four, one, what is this, six, then five, then three, then two. Then two. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I would recommend this movie. I have rewatched this movie. This is like probably one of my most rewatched movies ever. How many times? Like, I don't, I, I countless. I don't know. How, like, what, why do you love it so much? Uh, well, it came out at a time when, 
like this was the movie that made me the Tom Cruise guy. Mm-hmm. Like in the lead up to this, I learned a lot about his career, about the, the work he does, non Scientology mm-hmm. stuff, um, and this is what kind of got me hooked on that. Learning about this in interviews with Christopher McQuarrie, I learned way much more about like how movies get made, you know, writing, mm-hmm. character, like how to do that. Wow, the beginning of Parth's movie research career. Kind of. I mean, truly, like this, this, there's so much about, out there about the making of this movie that it's honestly, you know, go, go listen to the Light the Fuse episodes and mm-hmm. that's a film school in and of itself. I think that in an, era where a lot of action movies are really kind of cookie cutter and don't feel like they care Mm -hmm. this one it's like trying its fucking hardest Mm -hmm. in a way that i can appreciate very much and yeah i love it yeah so yeah i my mom does like this movie she enjoyed it in theaters though uh, she's seen it once more with me um and this is a 10 out of 10 for me yeah this is my favorite of the franchise i guess it goes Six, four, one, five, three, two. I guess I only swap six and four. Or no. We have the same bottom three. Yeah. And the top three are interchangeable. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think it's beautiful, beautiful movie. It's definitely the best looking out of all of them. Yeah. The action's great. It's like, to me, it's a seamless movie. Yeah. I'm not an action guy, so that's always going to bump it down a couple pegs. Um, a couple Simon pegs. A couple, <laughs> a couple Simon pegs. Um, the, really, the biggest criticism that I have of this movie is I want more team. You know, I love the sure. team. This doesn't have enough of it to me. Um, but it's it, it's great. Yeah. And now it's time to go watch Dead Reckoning Part 1. Yeah, guys. We're going to head out. Go, go, you can listen to us on any podcasting platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Pandora, or Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Twitter and Instagram. And hopefully, if everything goes right, you can join us next week for an episode that should be Dead Reckoning related. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see. Yep. We'll see. The interview has not been recorded yet. Yep. Bye. Bye.